The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 398 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is successful approaches by individuals, families, and family caregivers living with FASD. FASD stands for Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders, and this is a range of what are called developmental abnormalities attributed to the effects of alcohol on the unborn child, the fetus. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders last a lifetime. These create serious, serious challenges throughout all the stages of individuals' entire lives. And the challenges include wide variations in symptoms, which complicate medical diagnosis, lead to errors in medical diagnosis, and cause delays in making the correct diagnosis and implementing the appropriate care. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders produce problems for families and family caregivers throughout all the stages of individuals' entire lives. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders have no cure, though there is hope in some types of care for some of the challenges, but no one treatment is right for everyone. All of which is why our topic, Successful Approaches by Family Caregivers and families living with FASD is so important for family caregivers. Uh, to discuss it, our guests are Mark Cortapat and Savannah Pietrantonio. Now, Mark is co-chair of the Hamilton and Area and Caregiver FASD Support Group and one of the organizing members of the Youth and Sibling FASD Support Group. He's also a member of the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board Special Education Advisory Committee, and he's a member of the FASD Political Action Group to support change in government policies for FASD. Savannah is a life strategy coach, helping people across the globe support FASD. She co-chairs the Hamilton FASD Caregiver and Parent Support Group and supports the newly launched Youth and Siblings FASD Support Group. She herself is an adult living with FASD who recognized that she had FASD only when she turned 35 after having been repeatedly misdiagnosed. Because of the misdiagnosis and inappropriate treatment, she struggled over the years with the common 
secondary or tertiary disabilities of FASD. So welcome to the show, Mark and Savannah. Hello. Hello. Hello, Savannah. Hello, Mark. Hi. Hi. Glad to be now, here. Great. Now, first question for you, Mark. Please tell us more about your work with the Hamilton and Area Parent and Caregiver FASD Support Group. In other words, what do you do? Mark? Thank you. Um, our Parent and Caregiver uh, Support Group helps parents and caregivers who are really, as you mentioned in the opening comments, Gordon, dealing with tremendous unknowns and misunderstandings. Um, our our, our uh, focus is to really help them better support the child, youth, or adult with FASD we also quite frequently bring in professional guest speakers as well to assist in their awareness. Um, as you mentioned, we recently launched uh, a youth with FASD and sibling support group, and that's for individuals from 10 to 20 years old. Uh, and it, the focus of that group is to provide an environment where the youth with FASD can feel accepted, understood, and make friends who also understand and accept them. And for siblings, they encounter typically an environment which allows them to see their sibling with FASD uh, with other youth to either ask questions and to make friends as well as have a common bond. Uh, while the direct support for the youth and sibling group is indirectly, it's, it provides supports to parents and caregivers as well. As, as all parents, they want their children to be happy, to make friends, and to socialize. So this has a monstrous benefit for parents and caregivers as well. Um, we, we also collaborate with our local school board and assisting teachers as well to help them understand and have a tremendously strong relationship with the school board as well. Now, I'd like to go to Savannah. Savannah, please tell us about what you do as a life strategy coach. Savannah? Um, well, I'm an administrator um, on a Facebook um, support group called Flying with Broken Wings, and we have members worldwide. Um, we have those that are affected with FASD, and we have parents and caregivers on the group. Um, I also provide support to the parent and caregiver support group and to the youth and sibling support group. And really, I'm just there so that they can see um, what life um, is like um, through my own experience, so they can see through um, the FASD lens, what their child's life is going to be like and how um, they can better help their child. Um, really, I'm just like an open book for them and they can pick my brain. And that's what life strategy is, isn't it, Savannah? Is actually you guiding them exactly. through it. Yes, exactly. by yourself being the open book, which I think is a wonderful way of describing it. Exactly. Now, Mark, please tell us about your experience of FASD. Huh? Um, I, uh, maybe to start off, I can really say, uh, with all honesty, I really owe everything to Savannah. Uh, I first met her in May of 2008, and like many people, I'd heard about drinking when you're pregnant as being dangerous, but I truly never understood what it really meant or how it affected the person and their parents or caregivers. Seeing how it affected Savannah really made me want to get involved to help others and not go through the exact same things that she did. Uh, I truly have learned so much from her. I've made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. Uh, and unfortunately, I believe I still do as well. I think the difference, though, is that I perhaps realize it better now versus I didn't before. Uh, parents and caregivers' roles are really are challenging. And however, what I've learned from my experience is that using the right approach, they're able to achieve incredible things with their children. Uh, avoiding things like resistance, aggressive behaviors, meltdowns as the person is better accommodated. 
The difficulty is that the methods are really unnatural. And initially, as they are contrary to how every one of us were raised by by our parents and how neurotypical children are normally raised, uh, we quite often say to parents and caregivers to take everything you've ever learned as a parent and throw it out the window as it just does not work. In fact, it will make it far more difficult for your child. Um, That includes things like communication, cause and effect, providing directions or setting expectations. And lastly, I think I really learn something new every day. It's really a never-ending learning lesson. Now, back to Savannah. Please, please, Savannah, tell us about your life with FASD, your own life. Savannah? Um, Well, I was adopted at six weeks. I was born to an alcoholic mother and father. And um, when I was, my adoptive parents didn't know that I had FASD. Um, at that time, FASD um, wasn't known, and um, throughout my childhood, my parents knew that something was just not right, that something was off. Um, I was taken to um, many psychiatrists and doctors um, before the age of five and all through my elementary ages, and um, they had said that my, um, it was due to stress. And they also said that my diagnosis would be that I had an inability to do math. So I was, um, I, we dealt with that, that inability to do math. So that just meant more tutors and more trying harder and more expectations and more pressure, which was totally the wrong direction to go in. So um, I wasn't really doing well. I didn't know how to thrive or how to cope. Um, in this world with the brain that I had. Um, my adoptive mother kept searching for what was what was wrong um, because she knew that it was way more than an inability to do math and that it was way more than stress. Um, I remember one time she had spoken with my biological grandmother and my biological grandmother confirmed that my biological mother had consumed alcohol while she was pregnant with me. However, we didn't know the significance of this. We didn't know that it was FASD. We knew this might be something, we were onto something, but we just didn't know what. And um, so we took that to more doctors and more psychiatrists, and no one know what, knew what to do with that information. Um, I was misdiagnosed throughout the years into adulthood. I was given labels and misdiagnosed as bipolar, borderline disorder, anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, or everything that you can imagine except FASD. And we were telling them everything they needed to know, that my birth mother had drank, that we were telling them about my behaviors and my symptoms, and not one single doctor could put it together. Um, Then one day, when I was around 35, my mother saw a program on TV, and this program put it all together for her, and they put a name to it, FASD. And my mother said, that's exactly it. That's what she has. Now we can go to the doctors and tell them. So, again, we go to the doctors, and um, my family doctor said to me, please have your mother stop writing letters. And I would ask her to help me. She would send me to... um, different places to get help they would say why are you here you look fine and she 
would walk me, people would walk me to the door and some dismiss me. Or I was given uh, um, many drugs. I was given antipsychotics and antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs, which were addictive. And um, these were really just a way to deal with me so that they wouldn't have to deal with me. Um, I was given labels like defiant and bad, and they thought I was a hypochondriac, and they thought I was just in anxiety and needing attention. And uh, so nevertheless, with all this medication and no coping skills, I turned to alcohol for relief from my brain because I really had no skills um, with which to navigate my specific type of brain damage. Um, so I went through life being ad addicted to the, the tranquilizers, um, addicted to alcohol, and I resorted to self-harm. And many times I attempted to um, kill myself because I just saw that everyone else in this life could cope. But for some reason, I just couldn't get what they had. I couldn't find peace. I couldn't find my place in this life. I went to school many times. And although I always got honors marks, as soon as I went into the field to work, I failed. I made people angry. I frustrated them. Um, I could do my job, but I couldn't sustain it. Um, right. Yeah. Um, Savannah, I'm, I'm going to stop you there, not only hmm. because we're up against, in radio, there's a, what I call the tyranny of time, meaning... <laughs> We have to stop to have the break. But mm -hmm. I just want to say something back to you. This is your life you've described. Now you are a life strategy coach. Mm -hmm. You're going to hear more about that. But that's you having succeeded despite all those difficulties you've described in your life with FASD. So I want to finish on that point because it's a very, very powerful point. And all I can say is I bow my head to you for this change that you've brought about in your own life. So now, um, before the um, recording engineer turns me off, <clears throat> we'll take the break. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Athey, and my guests are Mark Cortapat and Savannah Pietrantonio. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune into the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mark Cortepat and Savannah Pietrantonio. Our topic is successful approaches by individuals, families, and family caregivers living with FASD. Now, let's, Mark and um, Savannah, let's talk about the challenges that FASD creates for individuals, their families, and their family caregivers. Starting with you, Mark, please highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges created for children living with FASD. Mark? Sure. Um, this probably is, is a really difficult question to answer when you limit it to uh, the most challenging challenges or the challenges. Uh, as Really, there are just so many of that are challenging for, uh, for parents uh, with children with FASD. Uh, probably if we consider the first one is the lack of a proper diagnosis mm-hmm. capabilities. Uh, there's a high number uh, of people with FASD who are either undiagnosed or misdiagnosed. Uh, in Ontario, as an example, uh, parents and caregivers are also expected to pay the cost for the neuropsych test, which costs in a range of four dollars to $5,000. And it's covered in other provinces, but Ontario does not cover it uh, for most of the individuals. And frankly, it's a violation of the Canada Health Act, the Ontario Human Rights Act, and, as well as a number of other acts in the Charter of Rights and Freedom. Uh, and no other disability requires the person pay for their diagnosis. So uh, that lack of, of ability or lack of support really, in many cases, prevents the child from receiving the necessary supports and limited services that are available. As well, not having a diagnosis or incorrect diagnosis commonly results in the child being blamed for their behaviors, as Savannah mentioned when she gave her comments, or parents being blamed for bad parenting, uh, being misunderstood by parents and caregivers, their schools, and in general the public, and Again, having lots of unrealistic expectations placed on them are also certainly challenges as well. Um, one of the biggest challenges certainly as well is the fact that they look normal in most cases, uh, unless they have FAS, which only represents about 10% of the, of the individuals with FASD. However, they all have permanent brain damage, and as a result of that, it sets un- unrealistic expectations on them as well. Right. Now, I'm going to ask Savannah, please, to highlight for us what you see as the most difficult thing for adults living with FASD. Savannah? Well, again, I echo what Mark says. Um, it's a difficult question, but it's an invisible disability. Um, for adults, we have to go out into the world with brain damage that no one can see. Um, every day that we wake up, over and over, 
um, we wake up knowing that our brain is damaged and it's not going to change. Um, the problem with the brain damage is that it's daily. And um, when we go out into the world and when we, when we reach adulthood, we're expected to be independent. Um, whereas to be successful, we need interdependence. Um, I'm an adult, but I will never be independent. Even though people see me as successful, um, I need the people around me to support me. And I'm really only as good as my supports. You take those supports away, and I will fail, and I will revert back to my old life. Um, our brains will always require interdependencies with um, another supportive person, an external brain, if you will, we call it. Um, like Mark, like he's my executive assistant. And um, I, I just, I will, people with, um, FASD will never be stable on their own because you can never count on your brain. You never know moment to moment if you can rely on what you know. Um, if you can use the knowledge that you have to get through life. It's like being dropped into a foreign country and not speaking the language or knowing the customs. Um, so even with brain damage, I'm expected to successfully manage it. Um, I guess society like demands or expects this of me and I'm not allowed to have FASD. I have to pretend to be normal. Um, I have to pretend every day that I'm capable and that I don't have brain damage and it's exhausting. And that's, you're speaking as an adult mm -hmm. and you're speaking as someone who has lived a life where nobody understood, Savannah, what the challenge was for you, what the illness was, what the cause of it was. And even though you've made the most, as I've said before, brilliant kind of recovery, what you're saying to us is that the adults who do get to the stage that you're at, which is very successful, nevertheless still have that point that their brain isn't doing all the things that it needs to do for them and never will. Savannah, have I got that right? Do I understand that? Yes, I, I say you do understand it very well. Okay, now I'm going to go back to Mark and ask him this. Mark, please highlight, highlight for us what you see as the most challenging of the challenges created for parents and family caregivers of children living with FASD. Mark? Again, it's a very difficult question because there again, are, uh, with FASD, there are so many challenges as I mentioned previously. Um, clearly, obtaining a proper diagnosis is how uh, I think the starting point. And as I mentioned previously, it's, it is a major challenge. Without a diagnosis, uh, the parents and caregivers really don't know what to ask and what to learn to support their child. And as I mentioned, we have challenges in Ontario, particularly getting a diagnosis for a child. But even the doctors themselves, there's a tremendous lack of ability to screen, to diagnose, or provide support to the individuals. Now, while I, I mentioned that a diagnosis is critical, um, but it really is a start. It's not the end. Um, understanding how to support a child uh, is also a huge major challenge. Uh, understanding that their primary disabilities, such as cognitive and executive skills challenges, processing delays uh, are common, and that would be the, their primary disabilities but also understanding that their secondary disabilities, such as the behaviors, the meltdowns, uh, all of those are avoidable. However, unfortunately, people with FASD are more recognized by their secondary disabilities than their primary disabilities. Uh, as I mentioned, historical parenting approaches, they just fail miserably. They don't understand the cause and effect as well. 
dealing with the system uh, is another challenge. Doctors who don't know what it is misdiagnose it or lack the skills and knowledge on how to support it. Uh, schools and teachers who don't understand FASD or recognize it under the exceptionality categories. Now, and even dealing with your own families as well. Uh, they may not support them or tell them how to support their child using old parental methods that are not only, as I mentioned, ineffective, but can be damaging to the child as well. So in total, I think the biggest challenge is really is the never-ending uh, need to learn and understand as their child grows up and becomes a teenager and then an adult as well. Now, Savannah, please highlight for us what you see as the biggest problem for families of adults living with FASD. Savannah? Well, I think the grief and loss is huge. Um, parents have, um, you know, expectations of their child. Um, they don't, you know, before they, they have their child diagnosed or if they don't know about FASD, um, they have expectations that you would have of a neurotypical child. And then when you find out that this child is never going to reach independence or, or, or meet those expectations, um, like a neurotypical or go down out into the world and um, have the types of success that society deems successful, um, the, the grief is, is immense for these parents. And the grief is also huge for the individual with FASD to realize suddenly all those things um, that they want, that they see other people achieving, um, like independence or, or a career or um, a house, things like that, that, that we may not be able to get um, without support because there's, there's no support and there's no understanding out there. Um, I had to save myself. There was no one that did it for me. And um, that's the, the loss that you feel is just overwhelming. We hear that all the time of, um, that when parents come to the support group. Um, and also... Parents um, are so afraid that when they get older, what will happen to my um, adult child with FASD when I am no longer around? Um, the fear is huge for them because there's nothing out there. There's nowhere that uh, these adults can go to to get support. There's no services for us. So um, when the parents who um, are looking after their adult uh, child um um, die someday, um, they have so much um, fear around that issue. Um, I, I, I would think that, that that leads to chronic frustration. And it's also, again, frustrating for the adult who, who knows that they want to be independent and just can't, uh, can't find a way to achieve that. Um, they, they have trouble with their employment. Um, they have trouble with communication and relationships. Um, encounters with the justice system, and challenges with alcohol and drugs, all the um, secondary and tertiary disabilities. So really without someone around to navigate us, like I said before, we are only as good as our support system. Let me just ask you more about what, what, what you were just describing, the grief and loss, um, the expectations that have not been met and the resulting frustration. That Does that affect the way in which the adult sees the family and the family sees 
the adult in a way that actually undermines all of them. Savannah? Well, I, I'd say it does. I mean, when, when, you, when you parent out of fear, um, the child is going to, the child's going to feel that. The child's not going to feel secure. The child's going to know something, something is off, something is wrong. Um, we need to be accepted. We need to be heard. We need to be validated. Um, we need to make sense to ourselves, and and we need to make sense of the world. But if we're being parented out of fear, um, we're really going to absorb that fear, and that's where it leads to that anxiety and that feeling of not being able to cope. And the parents won't be able to give us um, the right coping skills. Um, we don't. We can't. It's so hard to find these coping skills on our own. We actually have to be taught how to um, live with our brain, um, how to work with our brain, and how to not no longer fear our brain. Um, like, my brain used to try to kill me. So that, just that in itself, all that fear really, really um, affects the family unit. And so many families break down and, and adoptions um, fall apart. And there are many, many... Um, children with FASD and adults on the street and homeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Savannah, I have to be the rude host again and interrupt you because we, we're going to take the break. But the interrupting isn't because I want to stop you talking. It's because of this tyranny of time I've talked about. Now, this is Dr. Gordon Elderly, and my guests are Mark Quarterpath and Savannah Pietrantonio. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health. All kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life the world we live in has become a crazy place poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth we keep calling on government to save us with new programs and now we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history this problem continues to get worse 
The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and to Mark Cortapat and Savannah Pietrantonio. Topic is successful approaches by individuals, families, and family caregivers living with FASD. Now, both of you, I'd like you to talk about the needs and services to help individuals, their families, and their family caregivers um, cope with or overcome the challenges you've identified. So, Mark, starting with you, please highlight for us what you see as the most important needs of services for helping meet the challenges created for children. Mark? Certainly. Um, From a service perspective, there probably are two key things. And I think uh, the first one is having a medical system educated on FASD. Uh, We still commonly encountered, as I mentioned in my earlier comments, doctors who really don't understand either to recognize it or to diagnose it. Or they may say things like, wow, that child's too tall. He can't have FASD. And we actually have had that with a pediatrician recently in our own community. Uh, So there's a a huge naivety and a lack of education on the part of the medical system. And from a school's perspective, certainly training to really, because the school system is so critically important to the individual and their development, it, it is absolutely imperative that they have better support to accommodate and understanding and training to support the child with FASD. When we look at the parent and caregiver's perspective, um, I think the, probably the most important need is is really for them as well as obtaining the necessary training to help them understand. As I mentioned, getting a diagnosis really, again, as I mentioned, is the beginning. It's not the end. Um, and they really need to understand that you know when their children are they're not being bad or disobedient, uh, they're not being willful, and uh, when they act up or use bad language, it's not their fault. Rather, it's really because their environment isn't providing the right support for them, or they're scared of the unknown. It's that fight or flight uh, situation with them as well. That uh, they really can be interdependent on others for their entire life and that they need help managing money. Uh, they have difficulty with time management. Uh, and then when they melt down, the worst thing the person could do is, as I mentioned, is to react, speak loudly. So all those things that I mentioned are just examples of how critically important it is for them to provide the right services, to provide the training support for parents and caregivers so that they can do the best job possible for their right. child. Right. Savannah, please highlight for us what adults living with FASD need most to help them. Savannah? Well, I think, I think we need compassion and acceptance. Um, I think understanding really comes through compassion first. And the only way you can accommodate us is first to understand us. Um, We need help um, to navigate the world. We need help to be in relationship 
um, relationship does not come naturally for us. We don't bond easily. We're mistrustful. Um, we need protective factors set up for us so that we can avoid those secondary and tertiary disabilities. Um, we need services that teach us how to work with our own unique different brain. Um, as we misunderstand ourselves just as much as others misunderstand us. So when we misunderstand ourselves, um, we feel worthless. We have no self-esteem. Um, we don't value ourselves. Um, I had to be taught, um, I had to be taught how to love myself and how to accept my brain. And I think we need services where we can feel um, worth and value and um, someone to help us um, put us on the right track so we can find our purpose. Because um, when we find our purpose, that's when we're successful. Um, we, have, we have to find something that we're good at. We need to focus on our strengths. And so we need help, yes, with all those employment and the housing and the money management. But if that can all go together with um, acceptance and learning how to live with our brain, um, I find that that would be the most helpful. And that's, I think that's what other, the missing component that uh, in our society um, that others need to be aware of. Yeah. 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 Mark. Um Back to you. Please highlight for us what you see as the most important needs and services for parents and family caregivers of children living with FASD. Mark? Sure. Um, again, support from a training perspective is absolutely critical. Um, and again, understanding their child, the effects of the disability, and understanding things like, uh, particularly at this time of year when school ends and they're going to de be dealing with major transitions due to a loss of structure, friends, um, and so many unknowns of what will happen. And, and it's a common occurrence, but it's the kind of thing that without that right training and without that right support, uh, it be can become extremely difficult for the parents and the caregivers and ultimately it affects the children as well living with FASD because they are the end result of uh, parents not being able to provide that level of support. Uh, there really are no support services, certainly, that help coach or train parents uh, or caregivers on how really to support their child. Uh, you can get a diagnosis, uh, and that's great. But in the end, uh, there really is a lack of, of uh, support services that really help coach or train them. Uh, one thought we had is, wouldn't it be really wonderful if you had someone to come into their homes uh, who was professional, who had best practices on how to support a child with FASD and provided active coaching and training to them? And something like that would be so huge and so beneficial to to the parents and caregivers. Um, another factor is certainly is um, for the limited services that are available, whether it's through trial and new services or through the disability support programs, is most of them stop the support when they turn age 18. And we have to really remember that these individuals, their developmental age is typically half their chronological age. So you're really cutting off a person at age nine, not at age 18. And where would you stop providing support to a disabled child at age nine? You really wouldn't. Um, and I think lastly is respite services. Uh, the individuals are absolutely exhausted. And if they are, uh, you truly can't do your job providing support to the child. So respite services is also a critical, important need as well for uh, parents and family uh, caregivers. Savannah, same question, but about families of adults. In other words, Savannah, please highlight for us what you see that families of adults living with FASD need 
to help them. Savannah? I think the families themselves need to be educated um, about what FASD is and about how alcohol damages um, our brains. Um, the whole family has to come together to support that person. So the whole family unit has to be educated. Um, if they could learn all they can about the brain and how they can accommodate and change the environment for the FASD person and to, that they can realize that how they react affects the FASD person. We are really looking to um, that external brain, those other people, to regulate our emotions and to guide us through the world. So if they can learn how to do that and really get into our worlds and meet us where we're at, at our level, and if they could see um, see through the FASD lens, what it's really like for us, that will help them to make that paradigm shift from this person is a problem to this person has a problem to um, we're, not, we're not doing it on purpose from we won't do this to we can't do this. Um, when you make that paradigm shift and you bring your thinking back to this is a brain-based disability, um, you're better able to understand that person and to support them. Now, your work as um, a life strategy coach, um, how much of that work is devoted to giving the kind of explanations to families of adults living with FASD that you've just been talking to us about? In other words, bring your own work now into the picture of the answer that you just gave to us. Savannah? Um, I do. I, I speak at conferences and I educate them. Um, I educate professionals and caregivers and parents on what it's like to see the world through FASD, what it's like to have this brain damaged by alcohol. Um, most all of most of my all of my work is is um, supporting them in supporting that individual um, by telling them, okay, this is. This is how I see it. This is what I went through. And so this is what you do. Um, I wrote a blog on meltdowns. And um, it, it's on the Internet. And I explained that, um, for instance, when you have a melt, when someone with FASD has a meltdown, these are the things you do to help them. And I really, I teach them how to communicate with the, with the FASD person because it's very, it's quite different um, how you approach someone with FASD and how you communicate them, how you support them and accommodate them. Did, did that answer your question? Yes, it does, and it does so very, very well. And I just want to say to you again that the families of adults living with FASD um, have really so few ways of understanding the things that they need to understand, the things that you've identified that they need to understand, if both the families and the adults, the adults who have only just discovered perhaps that they are living with FASD, so that they can both understand each other, the families and the adults, and so that they can live together in a way that's mutually supportive. And I would hope 
be able to get some satisfaction that they are caring caring people caring for each other now i know that sounds like a bit of a religious sermon to you but that i think is one of the messages that you're conveying not only with what you're saying here but also with your work so i won't ask you um to say at this stage whether you agree with me or disagree with me but that's the influence that you've had on me with the kind of quest answers to my kind of questions mm -hmm. now once more it's time for the break so the tyranny is here again so we'll take the break this is dr gordon Lazzi, and my guests are mark quarterpant and savannah pietrantonio you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety channel and cjmp 90.1 fm community radio and sharingtheburden.ca please stay with us we will be back Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Up Close with Chris Tinney is now on Voice America Variety. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, Chris brings you the thought leaders, activists, and socially responsible entrepreneurs taking action for the environment, doing business in a new way, and helping the underprivileged. Call in or listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and learn how the small decisions you make today have a big impact on our small planet in the future. Tune in to Up Close with Chris Tinney on the Voice America Variety Channel. There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat, creator of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance, is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mark Quarterpat and Savannah Pietrantonio. Our topic is successful approaches by individuals, families, and family caregivers living with FASD. Now, let both of you, let's talk about the things you would like to do and think need to be done to improve services. So first off, Mark, please, what would more would you like to do to improve services for children living with FASD? Mark? Uh, certainly, I think starting again with enhanced diagnostic, uh, diagnostic capabilities, uh, education, training, and awareness uh, for parents, for caregivers, uh, for the teachers in the schools, 
and even for the general public, so they don't judge the children, the parents, and just think of them as being bad or defiant. Um, and as I mentioned previously, active coaching for parents and caregivers. So um, many of them today have to rely on taking the time to educate themselves, and it really is a never-ending uh, task. Uh, as well, many of them rely on support groups. However, uh, we do also encounter many people online or outside our area who don't have a support group, or if they do, uh, many are single parents or grandparents and are not able to attend meetings. So the, uh, they need respite or child care services so they can learn to help their children as well. And I think the last thing I want to say certainly is just don't give up. Um, we, uh, as parents and caregivers, we really need to recognize that it's us that needs to change. Uh, we should not expect the person with brain damage to change. Yeah. If we change their environment, they will be successful. Savannah, what do you think needs to be done to improve services for adults living with FASD? Savannah? Um, services for those with FASD need to be FASD-specific. Um, the help that I have received um, came from different programs. Um, they were for addictions, and I went to um, a DBT, Dialectical Behavior Therapy course, for two years, and I went to AA. And those things all helped me. They helped me um, learn to be um, self-aware. They helped me to see myself being myself, but they weren't FASD-specific. Um, I was able to transfer that into my life, but not everyone's able to do that. And it would be so great if there were programs for um, for FASD specifically, um, personal-based. Um, what really needs to happen is that um, the, the pe people running the services out there really need to listen to us, to get to know us, um, to stop walking us to the door, um, to stop thinking that we're just a problem um, that, that they need to brush off and medicate so that they won't bother you, so that we won't bother you. Um, I really think that um, it, uh, it's just, it's so hard to say because there's no services, there's no services out there. Um, I'm on disability and I think in that area they could have many services for the FASD person. I mean, for, for one thing, um, they give you the whole disability lump sum at the beginning of the month. Now, if they understood FASD, they would understand that we can't manage our money. And to give us that whole um, check at the first of the month is just a disaster. So those kind of things, if they just knew us and, and learned about our disability and had person-centered approaches, um, that would make all the difference in the world for us. Um, I think we need services like for housing, um, for money management. Um, we need services that again that will teach us how to navigate life. Um, to right. to improve the services, it's it's kind of a, a strange question because um, society has forgotten about the adults with FASD. All the services are based on on what children need, and the adults have been forgotten. It's as if people think that we grow out of it, and that, or, or they, they, put us, they put us in jail, they put us in the psych unit, or like I said, they medicate us and to get help. I, I, I've walked into doctor's offices, and like I said, they said, well, you look fine. So for me to get help, and I've heard it over and over again, um, we would have to present 
um, would have to like run through the street naked with a knife to get help. You know, yeah, that's an yeah. example I give because it's it's a little crazy, but it's so true. Um, because we are just put into institutions or shoved aside in, in jail and forgotten. Yeah. Savannah, I just want to say something quickly to you. I used the wrong word. I asked you to improve services. It isn't improving them because they don't exist. It's providing the services. That's right. Yeah. And also, this is another long thing we could discuss. There isn't time. Services for educating the profession I used to be with, medicine, doctors, so that they understand, too, the needs adults the needs of families and the needs of children so we've got a revolution on our hands to achieve this now Mm -hmm. we've a couple of minutes left and i just want to ask you what's um a little bit of a question about what we're currently doing you you mark you savannah and me what we're doing is recording an episode in which you are talking in a very about a very important so subject in very very well informed ways we're going to store the episode your episode in an archive so that anyone can listen to it at any time from almost anywhere so just very quickly first with you savannah and then mark do you think that having more discussions like this one in the archive would be helpful to all of the people we've been talking about mark what do you think Absolutely. Um, There is, as I mentioned, a critical need for parents to access information to help them. And having that information online enables them to get the ability to hear different perspectives, different approaches to help them with their children. Um, And one thing I have to say often is that they they may share commonalities in their primary disabilities, but they're also very different. What works for one may not work for another. And having access to the different approaches allows the parent caregiver to find the one that's the most successful for their child. Savannah, do you agree with what Mark just said? I do, 100%. Um, awareness is key. Um, when I went through life, um, I had chronic frustration from being, I felt like a dirty little secret. Um, you, you go to the bookstore, you go to the library, there's nothing on FASD. When I was growing up, there, there was nothing on, um, nowhere to find information about FASD. And today, we have the internet to find information, but people don't know to look. People aren't aware that there's information out there. So um, these discussions are so helpful, um, and I think it helps with compassion and um, unconditional love um, for our fellow human being. I mean, no life is less, and the compassion, if people understood us, is transformative for us. Um, it helps us understand that we're not alone, and it helps parents understand that they're not alone in, in, in their search um, for, for help, and that now, there's people out there who understand them. I'm doing it again to you, Savannah, but unfortunately we're out of time, but we're not out of ideas, we're not out of information, and I want to say to you both, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I want to say keep strong because what you're doing is important not only for you and the people you meet, but for so many other people. And so all I can say on behalf of all of us, every success to you in all the work you do. Now, 
our next episode will be advocating for access to cystic fibrosis medication. So to our listeners, please join us same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.